What are the three key questions surrounding the 2023 Chicago Bears for fantasy football? We break down Justin Fields and the rest as we begin another week and another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on fantasy football podcast as usual i'm your host Vinny iron i'm not doing this i'm writing about nfl and fantasy football for sportingnews.com come there tuesday i'll have my off-season grades looking at what every team did in the draft and free agency so ranking them one through 32 here we continue our off-season series breaking down the key questions for all 32 teams we did finish one whole division so four teams are down if you want to Check out uh, the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Commanders. We explored their key questions last week. So now we need to turn our attention to new new division, and it's the NFC North. We're going to go in alphabetical order again by city name. That means the Chicago Bears are today's spotlight team. So we'll ask the three key questions you want to know, including Justin Fields, DJ Moore, what's up with this backfield. We'll get those answers as best as possible here ahead of training camp for you on today's show. This episode of Locked On Fantasy Football is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. All right, let's dive right into the big question surrounding Justin Fields. How high is Justin Fields' ceiling as a QB1 this season? Well, let's uh, find out where he was last year, shall we? Uh, We look at Justin Fields, finished as QB6 in terms of overall scoring, in terms of average points per game, QB5, and then uh, QB6 is his ranking here. So you know the guys that are ranked ahead of him. It's pretty easy to tell there. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and you have Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow as well. So... These are the quarterbacks ahead of Fields. And is he going to build on that finish from last year? I mean, it's pretty impressive. There's not much more that he can do to get higher, but is he going to be the best value in terms of getting him at the spot as a QB5 off the board, a QB6, that are you going to get a potential QB1 overall return? That's what we're looking for, right? We want to have the best bang for our buck in the best producer and we can wait a little bit maybe to get Justin Fields to take advantage of that while other people are jumping on Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes but maybe a round or two later if the status quo remains here with the consensus expert rankings where he's down there in his average draft position Justin Fields can actually be a relative bargain to what he can produce here in 2023 now Let's look at the numbers that got him there, that high scoring. We know a lot of it was his rushing. 1,143 yards on the ground. He had eight TDs there. That was a big part, we know, of his production. That's pretty good, right? For an RB1, you would almost take that number here when you're looking at the yardage and scoring. Now, then you added his passing yards, 2,242, only 17 passing touchdowns, despite being the regular starter for most of the year. 
and you have 11 interceptions to cut that down. So really the volume was pretty low as well. He had uh, 318 attempts. It's actually an upgrade from what he had as a rookie as he, he played more regularly last season. So that was a natural progression, right? The, what we're looking for, however, is pushing towards 400 passing attempts. That will change the game a little bit here without taking a major hit on those rushing attempts. And really the yardage is what we're looking for mostly there because we're not getting yards per carry for a quarterback. So when we're looking at that, let's uh, compare it to Jalen Hurts, right? Where he finished last year with his scoring as the QB1 on average. He had 460 attempts for the Eagles last year passing. He turned that into 3,701 passing yards. He also had 35 combined TDs with his 70, 760 yards rushing. So not close to 1,000 yards rushing for Hertz, but he made up for it with the touchdowns, right? Double-digit scoring. So that's going to be the key. If they adjust the number here for Justin Fields in terms of how much he rushes, it has to be compensated by the scoring most because we know it's harder to get there if that rushing yardage and he throws more is translated passing yardage, right? We know that we get one point per 10 yards rushing in most leagues, and it's one point for 25 yards passing. So there's that conversion that you're going to do that ratio. 2.5 has to happen, but we know that is not going to happen with the yardage. So there just has to be more avenues for touchdowns. We also have to weigh if the touchdowns are worth six points all equally passing and rushing or passing is worth four that changes the game as well so what we really ideally want is maybe the rushing yardage to go down but to compensate for that with more touchdowns and working in the red zone and then you bump up the passing attempts to close to 400 that pushes him close to 3,000 yards passing pushes him over 20 touchdowns is what we're looking for through the air and then you can start to get toward that Jalen Hurts territory of production here. So I don't think they're going to rein in Justin Fields too much as a runner. He was too dynamic, big, strong kid as well, that he's not going to take a lot of abuse. He was very elusive last year. So they're not going to totally cut down that part of his game with the offense corner, Luke Getze. They're also going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He's got better receiving core. We know led by DJ Moore. They also have a little bit more depth at tight end with Robert Tunyon. So Really, Justin Fields, I don't think he's going to be a big checkdown guy necessarily in this new offense with the chances to push the ball downfield a little bit better and work the intermediate routes versus the shorter passes here. So overall, Justin Fields uh, can make good use of those extra passing attempts to get good yardage downfield. He was a 60% completion guy last year, so we expect that to bump up here as he goes into his third year in the league. So Again, we're looking for a touchdown adjustment to make sure those rushing yards can go down and then translate to more passing yards, which gives us a few more passing touchdowns there as well. And then you're talking about Justin Fields challenging Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen for the real top spot in fantasy football. So I think he can separate himself from Lamar Jackson in that sense. I I know Lamar Jackson also has some upside there with the new passing game in Baltimore, but Justin Fields, I think, has a more direct path. And again, he's also the younger player, a little bit more durable, as we've seen of late. So that's where you could see him passing Lamar with similar numbers, passing and running combined, and then also do better than Joe Burrow, really bumped up by his rushing numbers here that Joe Burrow is not going to provide here, just straight up yardage. So I really like Justin Fields' ceiling. It is sky's the limit, really, for him. No one would be surprised if he finishes QB1 overall. I think 
he's got the best upside when you go beyond those guys. I think Burrow and Jackson have potential to finish as the number one QB on the board in terms of fantasy scoring. But when you get past those guys, I think you start to have diminished returns where you're not getting the bang for your buck. But this is where it comes here. If you can get fields at QB6, you can end up with a QB1, save a couple rounds, and also boost your team in other areas. So really like Justin Fields and his ceiling very high, and I think he could build on everything this season. And the team is very high. Matt Eberflus, Getze, they all think he's going to have a big year with the improved passing that they've seen so far in the offseason program. All right, we will get to uh, what that means for DJ Moore, his new go-to receiver, acquired in the trade that sent the number one overall pick to the Panthers, which they took Bryce Young with. So DJ Moore now in Chicago will break that key wide receiver question down and then also look at the backfield here in our final two segments here on Locked on Fantasy Football. We told you that this episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Well, it's also the official sportsbook of the NBA. It's time to make a fast break to FanDuel while you can during the NBA Finals here. It's a tied 1-1, so we know we'll have a lot of action, at least through Game 5 between the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat. Because right now, new customers, uh, if you get in on the NBA Finals, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, there's always a great fun there because there are promotions tied to the finals. So you can check it out. You can get the combinations you're looking for, special bets to get in on the action with a little bit of free money. And then you can look at also parlays that are going to pay off nicely with players and teams that you can put together. So looking forward to that as we have at least, again, three more games in this exciting series that I think could go seven here between the Nuggets and Heat. So you can uh, enjoy that action in a safe and secure app on FanDuel, and you can get paid instantly. Once you will win and get that payout, it's going to be there right away for you. There's no better place than to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, it is uh, time to uh, continue the show here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. Again, uh, thanks again for making us your first listen today. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. And every day is a special shout out to you. You guys really support us uh, every time we put up a show. So we're thankful that you do that. And uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. And we're going to help you dominate your fantasy football leagues and DFS contests all off season and season long. So don't forget tomorrow we'll look then the Detroit Lions, an exciting fantasy football team with a lot of scoring potential there for you. So good breakdown coming up with Detroit. We'll, of course, uh, turn our attention to Green Bay and Minnesota as well later in this week. So comprehensive look at the NFC North and the key fantasy football questions on this week's uh, editions of Locked on Fantasy Football. Let's get to question number two for the Chicago Bears. DJ Moore, can he finish as a wide receiver one as the clear number one receiver now in Chicago? Well, let's look at where DJ Moore is coming from. He finished as the wide receiver 22 in his final year with the Panthers. But in terms of average scoring, only wide receiver 34. So borderline wide receiver three at the end there. But he was a borderline wide receiver two just because of his durability and being able to stay on the field. 
but it really dropped a little bit more than that. So I've never been a huge DJ Moore fan because of the quarterback situation and not having a lot of touchdowns, but I think this is a lot different situation. Justin Fields is the best quarterback he's played with in his career. There's no doubt about it. And you look at Justin Fields, they got him to upgrade the passing, right? This is why they wanted DJ Moore badly in this deal in return and giving up that number one overall pick. They thought he would be a great fit for Justin Fields' skill set, and I think he really is. And let's look at last year. DJ Moore had 118 targets as a Panther. Now, you look at the Bears. They have 81 vacated targets. 40 of those come from David Montgomery out of the backfield, who's now in Detroit. Another 16 come from Byron Pringle, 16 targets there for him. He's long gone. They thought he was going to be a big factor and connect with fields, but now they realize, look, Moore is a legitimate number one receiver, not this uh, makeshift guy that we can put in with Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. Now, you look at it, Cole Komet led the team in targets with 69 last year. Darnell Mooney had 61, and he missed time with injury. Looking at the wide receiver scoring, it was non-existent for the most part for the Bears. Darnell Mooney, overall wide receiver 74. He finished as the last wide receiver five at wide receiver 60 when you look at average points per game and half-point PPR. You look at Chase Claypool, he was at wide receiver 71. So he actually finished overall with better numbers, but we know some of that was with the Steelers. And overall wide receiver 85 in terms of average points per game and half-point PPR. So there's a lot of to be untapped here with this offense. And I think they'll throw less to the back. So there are some targets to recover here, and you think it would go down a little bit for Chase Claypool. You're not going to see as many targets, of course, for Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown. That's not going to happen. So some of those targets are going to evaporate from those players and head toward DJ Moore. Some of the targets are going to be plucked from Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney and go there. And, of course, Cole Komet now sharing with Robert Tunyon you won't see that high volume of targets given Tunyon had 67 targets himself for the Packers last year. So I think you'll see a lot less distribution to Komet and Tunyon. It's because, again, DJ Moore is the upside guy here. You're not going to see that kind of number four Komet as Fields' uh, main go-to guy at low volume. You're going to see a high volume for DJ Moore. It'd be shocking if he didn't get at least 100 targets. He should at least match his total from last year as a Panther at 118. So Overall, there's a lot of expectations for DJ Moore, and he's the type of receiver you're looking for, right? He has just enough help here where you have to pay attention to Mooney and Claypool and Komet and now Tunyon to some degree. So you can't totally let those guys free in single coverage because they can burn you. So they can't just totally go double coverage on Moore and take him out. These other guys can make plays in favorable situations. So that helps. He has just enough help, but he also has just enough separation from the rest of these receivers as a number one threat. He's a professional, puts his head down, works hard. He is a grinder, and he's going to prove himself. This guy plays with a chip on his shoulder that he's not been recognized or respected as one of the best receivers in the NFL. Gary's on a high-profile team with the Bears. Yeah, and the Panthers are not even in primetime this year. The Bears with Fields are a main attraction here. Moore's already felt the chemistry with Fields, so... I think you look at the vacated targets, you adjust and say that he's going to eat up a lot of those there as the running backs see less. You're going to see a downgrade for Mooney, Claypool, Komet, and the rest of the receivers here. So really lines up well for DJ Moore. So you can build on that. And I think the touchdowns will come a little bit more for Moore because I think he's a style of receiver that can fit well in this offense and produce well 
in the red zone a little bit better than he has in his career with the Panthers. So overall, I love DJ Moore having a big year here. I, I could easily see him go for 1,300 yards, maybe set a career high with his touchdowns, push for double digits there, and the targets shooting well above that. So 80 to 90 receptions, I think, is in the cards here for Moore. So again, I think there's going to be enough separation where I think Mooney and Claypool may just not have too much value here. Komet's going down to tight end two status, and you're going to see DJ Moore bumped up. So great situation for Moore. I think he builds on that. So we're high on fields, we're high on Moore, and they're going to help each other put up those massive seasons in fantasy football together here in 2023. All right, there you have a look at the two key questions uh, involving the passing game with fields and Moore for the Bears. Now we're going to look at the backfield in our final segment, yeah, that's a little messier, right? There's not as much a reliability there. But we'll break that down for you with the key question in our final segment. Again, thanks so much for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We will follow up with the Detroit Lions three key questions. And then beyond that, we'll look at the uh, Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings this week. If there's breaking news in, say, a Dalvin Cook movement here, we will uh, jump in with a special show with that as well. So we'll continue our series, but also look at breaking news here as we go along. As uh, We kind of have a few shows for you in June, but uh, don't worry. We'll get through all 32 teams before we get to training camp here in depth with the key questions we want to break down for fantasy football. All right, it is time to close the show with our last question of the Bears that's uh, key to our fantasy football needs. Who can you trust in this backfield, if anyone? And uh, the question is complicated here, and it's not very pleasing. Dave Montgomery leaves on top of the 40 targets that he vacates. 201 rushes for David Montgomery last year. Very interesting number because in Carolina, yet another player coming from Carolina, this time via free agency, Dante Foreman, had 203 carries. So they could essentially say Montgomery gave us 201, Foreman can give us the same around 200, and we just do a direct match here for Montgomery, take him out, put him Foreman in the equation, and move forward. Khalil Herbert had 129 rushes last year. He had only 12 targets and caught nine of those, so he wasn't used at all in the passing game. Foreman was almost a nothing for that for the Panthers because they had Chuba Hubbard, so two not very good receivers <laughs> make up this combination in Foreman and Herbert. And Roshan Johnson, the rookie from Texas, kind of the unsung guy behind Bijan Robinson, ended up with the Falcons, uh, not known for his pass catching, although I think there's some untapped upside with that role. But overall, when you look at Foreman, Herbert, and Johnson, again, those vacated targets, again, make you feel a little bit better about DJ Moore, that they're going to throw less to the running backs because, again, Justin Fields can run and take off instead of checking down, and he's going to be more aggressive to throw it downfield. So you're not going to get a lot of receiving value, I don't think, from this group based on their history. Now, we have to look at who can you look at for value here. I mean, right now, Justin Herbert, I should say Khalil Herbert, not to be confused with Justin, he's ranked the highest at 32 in half-point PPR league. So that is pretty darn low. That puts him in a flex spot. Well, eight spots behind the last RB2. Dante Foreman is at 46 and Roshan Johnson 65. What this tells me with the expert consensus rankings, nobody has a good read on this backfield on how it's going to go. And there's not a lot of enthusiasm about really going into this backfield. I look at David Montgomery last year. Overall, he finishes RB23. So the 
penultimate RB2. And then overall average in half-point PPR, RB27. So already you're working on Dave Montgomery, who finished out of RB2 range when you look at the average scoring from last year. So Khalil, not Justin Herbert, can he eat up most of his targets? It doesn't line up that way either because, again, Foreman directly can replace what Montgomery had in terms of the rushing attempts. And you figure they'll have a few more rushing attempts as they curb it a little bit for Justin Fields. But also keep in mind, Justin Fields had 37.9% of their rushing yards. That is a massive number from last year. Fields is not going to give up easily for these guys. Fields could also be the bigger red zone weapon. So not only could Fields score, but again, not throwing to the running backs is going to hurt the check down and receiving potential as well. So if I had to go somewhere based on what we can see on the numbers, I'd say it's not a foreman. They might need Roshan Johnson to get settled a little bit get used to pass protection to stay on the field. He's also the third back here. Herbert, they might still like as a change of pace. If they didn't, I think they would have uh, invested less in the backfield and put Herbert more in the feature role. So they don't really like to put a high volume on Herbert. And again, the early downs could be pilfered here in the power situations by Foreman and Johnson. Foreman, uh, coincidentally, also a Texas back here. So, Interesting to see how this will play out, but I just don't love it. It's a three-headed monster that could happen. But if I'm going to say anyone could extract some value, I'm going to say it's going to be Foreman early, and hopefully he can score a few touchdowns. But then I would say it's going to tilt more to Johnson late because I think he's a more complete back than we think on paper here. So something to watch, but Roshan definitely has a lot of upside because there's nothing certain about the Foreman-Herbert combination here in the Chicago backfield. Already starting at a low ceiling because of fields is running and less tendency to need to check down this season. All right, there you have it. There's the key questions of the Chicago bears answered all three here for you as best as possible here, based on what we know the team's plans are for 2023. We'll get a better indication of what they're doing with uh, these situations and training camp and the preseason ahead of the 2020 NFL regular season. So stick with us. We'll get through all 32 teams. Up next is the Detroit Lions. So looking forward to breaking down Jameer Gibbs and company there. So a lot of excitement over what that team can do offensively. So as well as the Bears. So it was good to break them down as well for you today. Thanks again for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen today, this has been Vinny Iyer, and we'll check you out tomorrow looking at the Detroit Lions.